Amen. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 42. We'll read verses 5 through 9. Amen. So appreciative of the praise team. Amen. The work they put in here early for practice, all preparing to lead us, you and I, into the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm grateful for that today. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, the prophet announces the presence of one who is chosen by God, who will become a source of delight for God himself. We're told that God will place his spirit upon this servant, empowering them to accomplish the work that he has called them to do. Says he is a, so that this servant and this body of people are able to bring forth justice to the nations, to be a light, to open blind eyes, and to bring out prisoners. Verse 5 says, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand, and I will keep thee, and I will give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison, and to them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I, my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they even spring forth, I tell you of them. One other version puts those same scriptures this way. It says, God's message, the God who created the cosmos, stretched out the skies, laid out the earth and all that grows from it, who breathes life into earth's people, makes them alive with his own life. I am God. I have called you to live right and well. I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I have set you among my people to bind them to me, to provide you as a lighthouse to the nations, to make a start at bringing people into an open, into light, opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners from dungeons, emptying the dark prisons. I am God. That is my name. I don't franchise my glory. I don't endorse the no-God idols. Take note, the earlier predictions of judgment have been fulfilled. I'm announcing the new salvation work. Before it bursts on the scene, I'm telling you all about it. We begin this morning with something that we need to know as a church. You have been called this morning by God. You have been anointed by God. You have been sent on mission by God. We're here this morning becoming empowered by the Spirit of God. This morning, for a few moments, I want to preach from this title, Wanted, Light Keepers. Wanted. Light keepers. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, God, for your presence. 
God, I thank you for your spirit that is moving in this place, Lord. You have come, God, to heal somebody today. You've come to minister to somebody, God, to stir our spirits and to bless us, Lord. I thank you, God, for your empowering presence that we feel in this place right now, Lord. We, God, we give ourselves to you, Lord, in the remainder of this service this morning. Have your way, God. Let your divine purpose be accomplished. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Wanted, light keepers. Most of you know from my time here that I'm a bit of a talk radio junkie when driving. And the other day, the current on CBC radio did a piece titled, The Life of a Modern Day Lighthouse Keeper. Now, often I got to freely admit when Often on CBC, things come on and you immediately reach out and you turn them off because it's rather liberal sometimes. But this particular uh, thing, it just grabbed my attention on this day. And host Matt Galloway, he talked to former lighthouse keepers Caroline Woodward and Barry Porter about a life that's all about isolation, all about wild weather, and all about saving lives. I listened intently as he interviewed those who were lighthouse keepers, and it was very interesting to hear as they recounted their stories of past days and past storms and past experiences and what they had encountered in the life-saving business. A CTV news headline asked this question, want to be a lighthouse keeper? Have you ever dreamed of leaving it all behind for a life in a remote locale? The Canadian Coast Guard may have an opportunity just for you, and it recently sweetened the deal. A job posting for lightkeepers in coastal BC, it's been up since at least January 2023, and it is still open, and now offers higher pay. The previous salary range of $45,000 to $60,000 has been raised to $49,000 to $66,000. The previous deadline of December 31st, 2023 for, uh, was the deadline for uh, resumes. It's been pushed to December t- uh, 31, 2024. Western Region Lighthouse uh, light stations ensure the safe passage of mariners in the most beautiful, remote, rugged locations in British Columbia's breathtaking coastline. The job description reads like this, as a lighthouse keeper... You will be responsible for keeping watch at the station to ensure mariners are safe as they transit Canada's beautiful coastal regions. Applicants must have experience in electrical and mechanical equipment maintenance, groundskeeping, and using Microsoft Office to qualify. Hopefuls will need to be willing to live in isolated and semi-isolated locations in crown-owned accommodations and able to work shifts in a 24-7 environment in all conditions of weather. The job listing is not for one specific location, but rather to join a pool of applicants who could be sent to any of these couple dozen lighthouses along the B.C. coast when vacancies come up at any given time. The full list of duties for the gig includes reporting local weather, relaying radio messages, grounds maintenance of the station, dipping diesel fuel tanks from atop a ladder, helping to refuel domestic diesel tanks, dipping cisterns of rainwater collecting, uh, scraping and painting buildings and decks and walkways, testing the fire pump and hoses and checking fire extinguishers. 
Those chosen for the job must be able to leave for a lighthouse to a designated point of departure immediately. If the lighthouse life is calling you, there's a little over a year to get your application, or a little less than a year, excuse me, to get your application together. And who knows, come 2025, you may be spending your days watching the waves. Now before we go too much further today, I think we need to establish some spiritual facts for what we want to talk about. We can begin in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face, uh, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and morning were the first day. The importance of light and darkness is dramatically presented here in the opening sentences of the biblical record. The earth was without form, it was void, and darkness completely covered the face of the deep. In response to the darkness that was hovering over the surface of the deep, God spoke light and it came into being. God turned on a light not for a temporary time, but God turned on the lights for eternity. Now, it wasn't one of these old incandescent bulbs. It wasn't a brand new LED bulb. But this was the light of the world, and God turned it on for you and I. You see, light was God's first creative work. It was his first creative work. And demonstrating God's divine operation in a world that is in darkness and chaos without it. Without the light of God, the world will remain in chaos. You see, in the beginning, darkness prevailed. We read about it in the Scripture just a moment ago. But the Spirit of God began to move, and things began to happen. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the light completely dispels and displaces the darkness. This first mention principle here in Scripture, it establishes for us that light will always Dispel darkness. This is very important for us as we go on this morning. This first point that is established in Scripture, light will always dispel darkness. Light always removes darkness. The, biblic, the, the Bible, it doesn't entertain any thought at all about darkness being equal in power to light. You read it from Genesis to Revelation, and you'll find that that is the fact. In fact, he establishes light at the very beginning in Genesis. And then at the end of Revelation, we read that the Lamb is the light. So this is established that light will always dispel darkness. John 1 and 5, English Standard says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, God is absolutely sovereign one who rules over the darkness and the powers of the enemy. In Genesis 1 and 4, another fact is established for us. And God saw the light that it was good. So light is established as being good. You see, the world that we are living in, it is a dark place. The world needs God's light 
to shine on it. The world that we're living in has many things wrong with it. The world needs God's light to shine on it. The world that we're living in, it is riddled with sin. It needs God's light to shine on it. The world needs something that is good. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, Then this is the message which you have heard of him. Declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You see, you and I were lost. You and I were drifting upon life. See, we were lost and wandering in the darkness. We needed the light of God to shine in our life. And I'm glad that God had a plan for that. John chapter 1, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was come into the world. John, of course, was pointing to Jesus coming. Good news today, God's powerful light has shined upon our lives. That's why we're here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 6, it says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's light has shined where? In our hearts. John 8 and verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalm 43 and 3, the psalmist prayed this. He said, send out your light, God, and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. I want you to know this morning, you have been, your life has been forever changed by the light. Matthew chapter 4 in verse 16, it says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, on them the light has Dawn, this light that we're talking about this morning, the light that God brought into the world, it is a powerful light. John 8 and 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not uh, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. First Peter 2 and 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his powerful and marvelous, life-giving light. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, For you are children of light, children of day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Pentecostals of Miramichi this morning, you, uh, you need to know who you are. This morning, you are the children of light. You belong to the one who is the light giver. You belong to the one who has shone upon your hearts this morning. You need to know who you are. Somebody say, I'm a child of the light. And you have to know to what you've been called to do. You've been called to shine. As children of light, God doesn't ask a whole lot of us, but he asks us to do one thing. He asks us to shine. You heard the duties of this lighthouse keeper earlier, and I looked up the job listing that they were speaking of on CBC on the Government of Canada website. And that posting is actually a job titled Lightkeepers. Oddly enough, when you go through the duties and you read about what is expected of them, there is zero said about shining the light. Did you notice that as we went through it? Nothing said about shining the light. According to the Lighthouse Directory, there are more than 18,600 lighthouses worldwide. 
I personally, my family, have visited Peggy's Code several times, and I'm always amazed as I think about the lives that were saved simply by placing a light in a strategic location. Apparently, with the coming technology, most of the lights of these lighthouses have been automated. They no longer need anyone to physically turn on the light or point the light or focus the light anymore. You see, we often think as a people of God that, well, they'll just see. But things haven't been automated in the Spirit. You still need to turn the light on. You still need to shine the light on purpose. You still need to reflect the light. It's simply not true that it's just going to take place on its own. The church still has a responsibility to be a light to the world. I believe it was Jesus that said in Matthew 5, verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light. Light unto all that are in the house. In early times, lighthouses, you know how they were lit? You know how they were lighted? They were lighted by, by candles that were brought all together. Jesus said in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What did Jesus say? He said, You still need to shine the light. The government of Canada continues to operate 51 staffed lighthouses across the country. 27 in British Columbia, 23 in Newfoundland and Labrador, and one here in our own province. The government manages and maintains most of these lighthouses simply for operational purposes. They keep them manned because they're keenly aware of the necessity that the light needs to shine. But there is one exception as to why they are manned, and that is in our own home province on Machaya Seal Island in the Gulf of Maine where the lighthouse keepers continue to staff the lighthouse, not just for operational purposes, but also for sovereignty purposes. It, is, it has the potential to be claimed by the United States, so Canada makes sure that they do not give up the lighthouse because it does more than just shine the light. It lets those know who would like to take the territory that someone is always, already occupying this place. Can I tell you, when you shine the light this morning, you're letting the enemy know that somebody already occupies truth. Somebody already lives where this light has shined. Somebody's going to go ahead and shine the light from where we are already. You're not going to take this territory of light. We better keep maintaining the light for the sovereignty purposes of truth. Because if somebody can capture the territory, it also gives them the ability to go ahead and snuff out the light. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you better take care of the light. You better make sure you guard and protect the light with everything. Hold up the light. Shine it so the world can see this morning. The Scripture says those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. That's us. We've been saved this morning. Somebody ought to be rejoicing right now at the fact that God has saw fit to rescue you from darkness with his light that he has shone on you. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, For at one time you were darkness. Notice it doesn't say you were in darkness. But at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I want to walk as somebody who has the light 
shined upon my life. The government of Canada has identified many traditional lighthouses that are not in use. They're often transferred to the provinces where they are, uh, where they are located, municipalities, indigenous and nonprofit groups who wish to make them a, of heritage value or tourism potential of these sites. On average, the process of acquiring a lighthouse takes between three to five years. What happens when these kind of end their life? They, the government no longer considers these lighthouses useful. They just sell them off or simply choose to close them. As I begin to look at the facts surrounding lighthouses this week, it began to something stir in my spirit. You see, the church is to be a lighthouse to the world. And the best estimate among researchers is that 3,850 to 7,700, some say up to 10,000 congregations are closing each year, which works out to around 75 to 150 congregations that will close worldwide this week. We can't let that happen. The church must continue to shine the light. We as a people of God must continue to be the light. We must continue to do what God has called us to do. The fact is that the job ad for Lightkeeper, it has been up for more than a year. If you're a mariner, if you're someone who's sailing Canada's waters, that has to disturb you. That they can't find anyone who is willing to do the job. If we were to bring that to a spiritual perspective this morning, are we in a generation that is void of light keepers? I certainly hope not for the sake of the lost. I hope not for those that aren't here this morning. I hope not for those that walk the sidewalks of our city. I hope not for those that find themselves in a drug house somewhere. I hope not for those that find themselves lost in a way somewhere with no one to help them. I sure hope not this morning. God has called us to be light keepers. When the question was asked by God, who will go for us? The prophet Isaiah was weeping as he responded, here am I. Send me. It might be lonely work. It might be isolating work. It might be uncomfortable work. It might be hard and uneasy and messy and dirty work. But here am I. Send me, God. I'm willing to go out and I'm willing to be lonely for the sake of shining the light. There is a world that needs light. I wish somebody would respond with the same response as Isaiah that simply says, Here am I. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, this is not some new responsibility that God is asking for us to do. This, this has been the responsibility since the birth of the church. We are in the middle of a crooked and a perverse nation. 
I don't think there's one person here this morning that would argue that fact. There are things going on in our world right now that we never thought would go on in our lifetime. There's things that are over your news feed right now that as you begin to read them, you just, you just, your hair almost begins to curl. Even the little bit that I have gets curls. Because you think, how could that happen in the middle of humanity? Right? There was a day when we thought everybody was just inherently good. A handshake was good enough. We're not in those days anymore, folks. We're in the middle of a generation that doesn't know God. We live in the middle of a nation that is so far away from God. We've been removed from the Christian a title from the worldwide. We are not there anymore. But the Scripture says that you can shine as lights in the world. The truth is, the world needs the church to shine like never before. Musicians, you can come back and help me. Off the shore of North Carolina, near the outer banks of the continental shelf, lies one of the most dangerous stretches of oceans in the world. Over the past 400 years, there has been more than 300 shipwrecks. 300 ships that have went down in that small area of ocean. It has become known as the graveyard of the Atlantic. What makes this area so dangerous? The problem is a 14-mile stretch of sandbar that is constantly shifting. It's called Diamond Shoals. Recognizing the danger of this area and the need to warn ships at sea of a sandbar, the U.S. government constructed the lighthouse at Hatteras in 1870. By day, the navigators could tell where they were on the coast by the unique black and white candy-stripe pattern on this particular lighthouse. By night, they could tell which lighthouse they were in front of by the frequency of the flashing of the light. The Cape Hatteras Lighthouse is the biggest lighthouse in the United States. It stands 208 feet tall, more than 12 stories high. It has 48 inch thick or four feet thick walls. 1.25 million bricks were used in its construction. The internal cast iron staircase to reach the top has 248 steps. It is a huge and imposing lighthouse. What was the main purpose of this lighthouse? If you ask those who planned it, ask those who were on the commission that put it together, they would tell you it was built simply for one purpose. It was built to save lives. When you think about it, the church's mission is exactly the same as that lighthouse. The world out there is a dark and a destructive place. People are sailing through life in very dangerous waters. People are trying to navigate through things that are uncharted and things that they would have never saw in the waters before. The truth is if the light continues to shine and do its job, there has to be a light keeper. If the light is going to shine, somebody has to say, I'll do it. What does the keeper do? His whole purpose is to keep the light burning at all costs. 
He had to constantly clean and maintain and repair the light. If the flame burned low or the lenses and the mirrors were dirty, if the wick or the oil burner needed trimming, then he had to immediately get up from whatever he was doing and go to do the work because lives depended on him performing the duties. The first light keeper at the lighthouse at Cape Hatteras was Adam Gaskins. He was on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 365 years. He earned the small sum of $333 per year and was given a place to live. Due to his hard work and those who followed him, the lighthouse burned for 129 years, 47,000 nights without fail. These men and women who kept the light burning, they were called keepers of the flame. This morning, God's looking for some keepers of the flame. As we stand this morning, as this world grows darker, as we get even closer to the shores of eternal judgment, as the ships of the lost continue to toss on the sea of confusion, they're looking for a light. There's looking, they're looking for something that can beckon them close. They're looking for something that can show the way. Souls are in the balance. They're drifting. Souls are lost. They'll forever sink into the depths except for a light that is given. You talk to most of the church world and they'll gripe and complain about the sinful state of our world. The truth is complaining about sin does no one any good. Somebody said it's more productive to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Our lights, they must burn continuously. They must beam and shine continuously. Not for us, but for the spiritual welfare of others. You say, well, there's things that I'm going through in my life right now that it's tough for the light to shine. Can I challenge you this morning to take time to retrim the light, to make sure there's oil in the lamp, to make sure the lenses are polished, to make sure things are good because it's still our responsibility to shine the light. In fact, it's vital that we keep our light bright. Why? Because someone's looking for us through the darkness of where they're at. They're looking for the church to shine. We can't afford to abandon our posts. I got thinking about those folks that were responsible for that Cape Hatteras flame. Think about it, 47,000 hours of keeping the light continuously burning. Do you have any idea what they would endure on the very point of where they were in the ocean. There would have been wind that blew. There would have been storms that came. It would have been just hit by wave after wave after wave, Brother Camden. Water would have tried to come on that candle, but they wouldn't let it go out. They just kept it burning. It's certainly indicative of the church today, how, how storms come in our life and, and things buffet against us and there's waves that kind of seem to roll over us at times. But still, if we could make sure the light is bright, if we could make sure the light is burning, God's put the responsibility on nobody else. He's put it on the church. 
God, I pray you would help us to be lights in a world of darkness. Jesus, I pray right now, God, Lord, that, God, you would send your conviction into this house this morning, God, that, Lord, your responsibility would fall, God, upon the shoulders of your people right now, and, God, we would realize there is a weight of eternity, God, that weighs upon us, Lord, that, God, it is nobody's responsibility except ours, God. It is nobody's duty to take care of except ours, Lord. God, you're asking the church, God, to shine. You're asking us to shine in the middle of a world that doesn't know you, God, in the middle of a world that is dark, God, in the the middle of a world that is perverse, God, and confused, God, and left wanting. Lord, I pray right now, God, that we would begin to shine. God, help our lights to be lit, God, and burning this morning in a way they've never burned before. God, make us bright and shining for you, Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, that we would fulfill our responsibility as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.